1: Today, we are continuing the conversation about couples with a good friend of mine, Marcus, Dr. Respect Gentry. Marcus is a renowned expert in leadership training and teaching high-performance strategies. With over 30 years of experience in the field, he has transformed countless individuals and organizations through his innovative approaches to leadership development and Socratic teaching techniques. Drawing on his extensive research and real-world experiences, Mr. Gentry has developed a comprehensive framework for leadership that combines cutting-edge strategies with timeless principles. He believes that effective leadership is not just about management techniques, but also about cultivating self-awareness, fostering authentic connections, and creating a positive and empowering work culture. He has worked globally with military readiness programs, government agencies, and nonprofit organizations, delivering tailored programs that address their unique challenges and goals. Mr. Gentry is a certified alcohol and drug counselor and is registered as an approved contractor for the federal government with SAM. Mr. Gentry has worked for over a decade as a consultant and professional speaker for the Office of the Assistant Secretary of Defense for Reserve Affairs. Mr. Gentry is a dedicated educator and mentor, a lifelong learner himself. He continually explores emerging trends and research in the field of leadership and frequently presents at conferences and seminars worldwide. With his unwavering dedication to excellence, Mr. Gentry continues to impact the lives of leaders and teams, enabling them to thrive in today's rapidly changing business landscape. Through his transformative guidance, he inspires individuals to unleash their full potential, cultivate exceptional leadership skills, and create a legacy of success. Thank you so much for joining us today, Marcus.
0: Oh, thank you for allowing me to be here. I appreciate the opportunity, always.
1: It's our pleasure here, for sure, to have you speaking with us. Very good. I'm sure after listening to your bio, the audience may be expecting you to talk about leadership. Can you share what makes you uniquely qualified to talk with us about relationships today?
0: Sure, that's a good question. I'll begin by saying that I am more than anything else, a student of human behavior and relationships and how they can impact an individual in every aspect of their life. So yes, I do a lot of work with leaders, leaders in their homes, leaders in communities, leaders in organizations, battalions, different groups. Sometimes some of those leaders happen to be in relationships. And one of the things that I do is help them in finding the anchors that may be keeping them from reaching their greatest potential. Oftentimes, it will have something to do with the relationship either they have with themselves, how they feel about themselves, their relationship with other people, or their relationship in connection with the changing times that we're in. I've been doing this for over three decades of time where I've really dedicated myself to trying to get a better understanding of human behavior relationships. I did that when I worked as an addictions counselor at a treatment center. The relationships came into play with the people who were attempting to recover. When I worked for the Housing Authority doing leadership, but also working with families in different communities and their ability to try to manage healthy relationships and thrive in a challenging environment. I do that as I've been flying, as I say, without a net as an entrepreneur, working with individuals who are looking to be better, not always be their best, but they're looking to be better and relationship comes into play with that. In addition to that, I lived with parents who were married for 61 years. I learned a few things. I sat at the foot of my mother who lived to be 92. I learned a few things. I sat at the foot and beside my father who lived to be 99. I learned a few things and I continue to learn and share whatever insights that I find that might be helpful. And some of the things that I've learned are universal. It doesn't matter if you're teaching them in a fluent area or if you're teaching it in a small village in Africa. Some principles are universal and have cross applications that can be used in a lot of different places. Very eye opening. That's a part of some of the things that I've done as it relates to relationships that people have as they try to reach peak potential and move into the role
1: of leadership. Excellent. If you are going to talk about successful relationships, and you talk a lot about universal principles, so I'm wondering if you have any universal critical elements that you see in successful relationships?
0: Yes. There, more often than not, is clarity and agreement and flexibility, love and appreciation for their partner. I would say those are some of the greatest. I can talk about that further later, but initially, clarity, very important, and collaboration and agreement between the two. And then you got to kind of like the person that you're with.
1: (laughs) A little bit, at least. (laughs) I wonder if there's anything in particular that you want them to have clarity around, or is it just clarity around everything? Or do you find that some relationships or many relationships don't have clarity around certain issues?
0: Oh, clarity around everything. So if we went back to the beginning of that consideration for a couple who is married, for instance, say if someone were to come to me considering marriage, what would I say to them that they need? There are three things in that category that might answer what you're saying that I believe a couple going into it will need to have longevity, and that's clarity. So let me just start with the clarity point as the first one. Clarity about what their vision of a successful relationship is. What does that look like? If there was a young man that I was talking with, I would ask him, first of all, how old is he? Because I believe that males tend to typically not get into manhood until they're in their 30s. There are exceptions, but typically that's the case. So I would ask the question, how old are you? I would ask the young man, what is his model of a successful marriage, a successful relationship? Who is that? What was he taught? What did he see as an example coming up? What is he learning now? Who are his role models and mentors in that direction? And the same questions I would ask for the young lady as well. What is her vision of that? If there's not clarity about what that relationship needs to look like, what are the agreements and not agreements things that people are not in agreement with, there's not clarity about that, then there's going to be a problem. What they're looking to build, do they want to have children? Do they not want to have children? Are they recognizing that change is going to be inevitable? And are they prepared for that change? That phrase that's so common in a lot of marriages, marriage vows, for better or for worse, have they really given thought to what better looks like? Because it tends to become a different sort of thinking to be better. And what does it mean for worse to happen? Are they prepared? Do they know how to prepare? Do they have a support system around them? Clarity about those kinds of things. If there are children that either one of them have before going into the marriage, have they talked about discipline? Who's going to be the disciplinarian in the relationship between two people if they both are not the biological mother and father of the child? So clarity about that, clarity about relationships of who should be involved in their personal affairs. Some couples believe that they should tell their parents, their mother, their sister, whoever, everything that's going on, and they should be an active part. That's the kind of family that some come from. So a part of the clarity is, and this is a question that my father used to ask me when I was younger coming up, and I saw no importance of the question as a young fellow, and that was what kind of family does she come from? So what kind of family does the expected male who's looking to get married, what kind of family does he come from? What is his history then? What is he accustomed to? Is he accustomed to, and same thing for the young lady, if it's a male and female. Today, there's a lot of different combinations of people who marry. Do each of them individually have experience knowing how to take care of themselves, knowing how to feed, clothe, shelter, and protect themselves before they come together? Or are they coming together together? out of their parents' home. So those kinds of questions are some of the things that I say is important to have clarity about. That's one of the three areas.
1: So when you're working with people who are considering marriage, part of the advice that you give them is around clarity. Are there other things that you talk about with couples as they're contemplating a lifetime commitment to one another?
0: Yes under that same area of what does a lifetime commitment mean and what is their reason for wanting to get married. So many people follow tradition. They do it because this is what they saw. This is what they believe is the pinnacle. They can be there for two people. Some do it because they are religiously committed to following this path and they don't follow the path, they'll be punished. That's a part of the question, getting clarity about that. If they are considering marriage, then I would have to revisit some of the same things. Are they comfortable financially taking care of themselves and considering what the financial responsibilities would be when you add another person in? Do they feel, and here's a really big one, do they feel that they are going to be or should be the everything for that other person? There are songs that say, you are my everything. And there are some people who go into relationships believing that she is going to be everything for me. I'm not going to need anything outside of that. And he is going to be everything for the other partner that's in the relationship. The question is, have they really considered what that means? Are they looking for their intellectual needs to be met only by this person? their emotional needs to be met only by this person, their spiritual needs only to be met by this person, intellectual, all of those things, are they looking for them only to be met by that person? And if not, are they comfortable with them going outside of that relationship to have some of those things met? Of course, all physical needs is one of the categories, and I don't think I just mentioned that. But that's a conversation that needs to be had. That's why one of the things that's so critical is not just clarity, but the second area is courage, because you have to be courageous enough to ask the questions to gain that sort of clarity.
1: I would think that that does require a lot of courage. It does. There's a fear, I think, with couples, especially early in a relationship, that if I ask this question, it might end the relationship. I don't want the relationship to end, so I'm just going to avoid asking that question.
0: Most most don't. If they
1: don't, what would you predict?
0: It's trial and error. That's what I predict. And that's what a lot of people use. Trial and error work when you're baking a cake or cooking a pie. (laughs) There are some things that you can make an error with in a relationship that you can't bounce back from. Many people don't go through the steps necessary to really try to figure out how to manage that. I remember asking a young lady that I was working with, if she discovered she was about to get married, probably weeks away, maybe four or five weeks away. And I asked her if she discovered something about her expected husband, her fiance, that made her believe that possibly he may not be the ideal person for her to marry. Would she do it anyway? And she said, yeah, she would. And at the time, I was a little surprised, but with further interviews that I had, and that's what I've also done over the years, I've done a lot of interviews and had conversations with different types of couples. I find it's very common that the consequences of what other people might think and what other people would say and the disappointment that would go along with that, and I'll just make it work. So many people go through with things, even though they can see this is probably not the most ideal situation. And they'll do trial and error. Well, I'll try this and see if it works. I'll go from past experience. I'll just try what I did before.
1: Mm, That's pretty amazing because I would think as someone who also works with couples, if you can see before the commitment that it may not be a good match, it probably won't get better after them. That's what I've seen. People put their best foot forward in the courting relationship or in the dating relationship. And a lot of times they get that happier ever after license called marriage and mm-hmm. they stop putting in the effort. It becomes more like, now I've got the girl. I don't have to do the things I did before. Now I've got the guy. I don't have to do the things I did to get them. And the relationship can really suffer for that.
0: Yeah. And sometimes they're just following examples of what they've seen before. That's why it's important to know who are your models of what a successful relationship looks like. Who do you talk to? Do you research it? Do you study that particular person? That may come up again later in our conversation.
1: Okay. What do you think is one of the biggest challenges for couples today?
0: I would say the changing environment and people losing the ability to talk to each other. The skills of communication and common courtesy, please excuse me, thank you, seems to be drifting further and further away and it's become a norm to not do that. Our changing environment has become that. There are many distractions that can come to pull a relationship down. Could be work, could be school, could be other people, could be health matters. The environment changes. I use respect as a philosophy, and I have four guiding principles that help to fulfill that philosophy of respect, which in a purest sense, if you divide it up, respect means to re-look at, to re like spectacle or spectate, spectator, to re-look at something. So I have four guiding principles, respect for self, to re-look at oneself, respect for others, to look again, respect for the environment, and respect for process. Under respect for environment, the environment that we're in is shifting. And there are a lot of people who don't shift with that environment as things change. And they've just moved away from sitting down, having conversation, going for walks together. Everything has to be more often than not connected with something else, a television show, a movie, something on the phone, an activity as opposed to just the purity of just being together. So many people find it difficult just to be together. And little things can erode and tear away at that bond that may have initially been there from the beginning. If they don't put the energy in, which is the third area that's important, but the energy in to continue to do some of the things that they did at the beginning of the relationship to keep it thriving or to make the shift to keep it thriving because life happens. The song, it sounds good, don't go changing, stay just the way you are. No one stays exactly the same because the person that they loved and cared for one way, things may be different after they've been diagnosed with cancer. Things may be different after they lose a parent or something happens in their health or their job has been devastating. People still trying to do what they've always done, even though the environment has changed. The social environment has changed. The physical environment has changed. They're still trying to do the same thing. It's trying to reconnect based on old information. It just doesn't work. And some people aren't willing, don't have the energy, the passion to make the shift, find out what's needed and do something different.
1: I think that's really true. I've seen that myself. One of the things I love about talking with you is you have such a unique way of looking at things. And Mm -hmm. this next question, I think, will bring Mm -hmm. out some of that uniqueness. Mm -hmm. What connection have you made Mm -hmm. between plant care Mm -hmm. and relationships?
0: (laughs) I can definitely speak to that.
1: You may be the only person on the planet (laughs) who can, but let's hear it.
0: Okay. I grew up in a home with a lot of plants. My mother and father, they had a lot of plants. So I'm familiar with basic plant care. So when I got on my own and as I grew, I brought in plants and everything. And I had a lot of plants. My firstborn and I went on a excursion one day to the north side of the city here in Chicago. And we passed by a shop where a man was working on bonsai plants. And we went inside, talked to him exciting watching bonsai plants all over the place. I fell in love again with the bonsai and I really wanted a bonsai plant. I loved that plant looking at it. Finally, one of the guys that I worked with, a dear friend, he's he's made his transitions. His name was David Giles. We called him the historian. He gave me a gift one day of a bonsai plant. Loved the plant, brought it home and took care of it until it died. I killed the plant. And the reason why I kill the plant is because I treated it like all my other plants. Why it's a plant, I'm familiar with plants. It is a plant of sorts, maybe a small tree, it's a bonsai. I'll just do it like I do the rest of them. And I end up killing it because I spent more time desiring it than I did learning the nature of that plant and what will cause it to thrive. Thus, we make the transition into relationships. Many people will see someone that they like and admire. I use this in particular when I'm talking about people who may be high-performance individuals, male or female. These are people who may not necessarily work a nine to five, not that nine to fivers can't be high performance people, but a person who is out there creating, maybe they're in the entertainment world, maybe they're in education, but they're creating, they're building opportunities and businesses and a variety of things. They perform at a different level. They're what W.E.B. Du Bois talks as the 10 percenters. These are the problem solvers and decision makers, the people who, as I say, go where the sidewalk ends, these are cut from a different claw. Some people desire to be in a relationship with them and then they get close to them or bring them in and they have not a clue of what it takes to continue to inspire that nature of person or the nature of the person that they have. They spend more time wanting this kind of person, whoever they are, without taking the time to find out what makes them thrive. What makes this person be the best that they can be on my watch? Well, I'll just do what I've always done. And they use the excuse, what well, I did my best. But what I found is that very few people really do their best. We've had conversations about this before. People tend to do what's most comfortable for them. If it's comfortable for them to just follow what they used to do, then that's what they'll continue to do. And they'll say, I did the best I could. But maybe the best they could might have been pausing and courageously asking the person, what is it that you really want? What excites you? What conversations do you like to have? What fuels your spirit and makes you excited beyond just superficial kinds of things or actually picking up a book and reading and studying the nature of the person that you're with so you can give them the proper care that you need. That's what my connection is. I think about a beautiful plant that blossomed. I think it's called a Christmas fern or Christmas tree. It's something that my parents had in the home in Georgia beautiful, twice a year, would create this beautiful red colored blooms. And it's amazing to look at. I think it's like a Christmas fern. I cut a piece of it and brought it here to Chicago. One year, it produced one bud and that's it. Right now, it's in my dining room, barely surviving, absolutely not thriving. The plant that it came from in Georgia, I get pictures of it blossoming beautifully. I changed the environment and I expected it to do the same thing. That's why I say respect for environment under my principles of respect is so important. When the environment changes, the nature of that person might change based on that new environment. How much time do we spend really getting to know how they are? Not just whether they're an introvert or an extrovert or what they do as a profession, but what fuels their spirit. That's the connection between plant life and relationships.
1: Of course, it is.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Thank you for sharing that with us. I know that you and I have had a long-standing relationship, and I've heard that bonsai story before. And actually, wrote it into my Secrets of Happy Couples books oh, okay, in, in the okay. in the maintenance chapter. So, some people listening who've read that book might remember the bonsai plant story. What can people do to make their current relationship stronger and more successful? So if they're already in a relationship, what would you say they could do to strengthen and make their relationship more successful?
0: A man named Peter Block, who wrote the book, The Answer to How is Yes, sets a good framework for answering that question where he says that people ask, how do you do things way too early? He says, one of the first things that we really need to be able to do is see if we can say yes to certain things. One of the first things we have to say yes to is, is this something you're passionate about? Some people are trying to put something together with someone who's not trying to do the same thing. I use the example, there's not plants this time, but are you trying to build a house or are you trying to build a tent? There are some people who in a relationship are trying to build a house. And I don't mean necessarily a physical house, but all the things that go into a long-standing home, something long term. They may be with someone who has already mentally left and they're only building a tent. They're not trying to put anything long lasting into that engagement. So again, it's having the courage to get the clarity. My good friend in Oregon now, my childhood friend Lawrence, talks about having the curiosity of a child. And I think that's important in a relationship, being curious, asking questions about, is this something that's really important to you? I have a phrase that I say that the purpose creates the passion to complete the process. I'll say it again. The purpose creates the passion to complete the process. So in order for a couple to stay together, they have to have a purpose, a solid reason why. That is the foundation for everything. If you have a solid reason why you want to stay together. Maybe it's because, man, I really love this person. Or some say, well, I've been here this long. I'm going to stay. That's their reasons. Whatever your reason is, do you have a solid reason? If your reason is weak, you won't have much passion for it. But you can't clearly say, this is why I want to build a home here because of this. And I believe in this and the family and, and whatever your reasons are, they have to be solid. Because if that purpose is weak, then you won't have the passion to complete the process. And a successful relationship requires completing a process and requires energy. In talking and interviewing so many couples, I would imagine that you've heard this next phrase that I'm about to say many times. Someone, if not each of the couple in that relationship will say, I'm just tired. Mm -hmm. I, I don't have the energy for this anymore. So energy is important. How do you refuel to keep the fire going? Because life can get in the way of maintaining the energy needed to complete the process, even though you have a reason why you want to do it. But if you have a reason, but you run out of energy, you still won't be successful. And it's still going to leave someone or something lacking for a period of time. Are you courageous enough to have the conversation and find out what do you need to do to refuel, to have the energy to invest? And do both people have the same intention? Are they both trying to build the same thing? What are they feeding on? You asked me earlier about what is one of the elements that pulls out a relationship. Sometimes it's the diet. I don't mean the physical diet. I'm talking about the intellectual diet, the things that we're watching on television and in social media they're not always necessarily things that empower and inspire couples to stay together. If they're looking for ways to do that, ask those questions. Work on mastering the skill of listening to each other, paying attention, listening with the intention of understanding. Stephen Covey's fifth habit of highly effective people seek first to understand and then to be understood. Listening with the intention of understanding, being present, having good listening skills, not controlling the conversation or competing and interrupting and all of those things, and then knowing what to do when you listen to someone who is in pain. What I've learned recently first of all, everybody has a story. We know that very well, but many people are carrying injuries and bruises and trauma that they're trying to manage or trying to keep pushed down. Sometimes it takes real individual work on ourselves before we start talking about building something with somebody else. We might have some flaws that we need to work on. That's why I say, even in talking about becoming a great leader, how well can you lead the man or woman in the mirror to do what they need to do to become a better person? And how good are we at leading ourselves And then we go out and we want to be high performers and lead teams and organizations. We have trouble in the mirror.
1: So true. That's a really great question. I like that. Speaks to self-evaluation and knowledge of yourself before you have knowledge of the enemy, right?
0: Absolutely. Sun Tzu out of war. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Very good.
1: So I hate to say this, but this is going to be one of my longer podcasts. We're pretty much out of time. Mm -hmm. But I like to ask if you have anything you'd like to add that we haven't already talked about.
0: I do want to say that it's possible. So we've talked about a lot of things that could pull at a relationship and the challenge of having a healthy one and a satisfying one. It's possible. It happens every day, but it doesn't happen automatically As I say, if you want things to work out, you've got to be willing to put some work in. That's why people like yourself will be in high demand and are in high demand because people need help to try to manage those things. So it is possible to have a healthy relationship. And there are people out here who will help you to manage that and help you to be able to get to a better place. I'm one of those who will do whatever I can to help people release themselves from the shackle and anchors that might be keeping them from reaching the high performance that they would like to achieve in their life.
1: It's interesting. I have a couples coaching first session tonight in a couple Mm. of hours after we get done here. It's something that I love to do also. I just think life is short. And when you connect with another person in an attempt to really create a life and walk that life path together, there are challenges that people who are single don't have, just as people who are single have different challenges than people who are trying to walk together. It does help to have someone who's not in the forest to be able to help people navigate that path.
0: It goes back to the very beginning, what I said, we have to be a student and realize that we don't know it all. And that someone outside of us might be able to help us get a better understanding of what's going on. Keep the door open, stay curious.
1: Yes. Love it. Is there anything you might have going on that you'd like to tell our audience about?
0: I'm always working and developing content and information around leadership, around becoming better at being who we are so that that can show up better in our homes, in our businesses, in our community, in this society. So I'm always working to develop those things. I don't have any public events coming up at this time, but I am constantly revising and learning and adding new information. So if possible, I'd love to give my website and then anyone who's interested in connecting with me on something. Some of those things will be posted on my website or in social media, but my website, if it's all right, I can share that information.
1: You read my mind. That was going to be my next question. So please go ahead.
0: Very good. My website is marcusgentry.com. And my email address is respect at marcusgentry.com.
1: Excellent. Thank you so much, Marcus. I really appreciate you joining us today. Your perspective is unique and thought provoking every time we have a conversation. Thank Thank you so much.
0: Thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate being here.
1: You are so welcome. I wish you
0: continued success in your coaching world as well.
1: Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and remember to leave a review and share with your connections on social media. I also hope you'll join me next week when I'll be continuing the couple's conversation with Carolina Perez Sands. I'm looking forward to it. Talk with you then.
0: This has been another thought-provoking episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life. To listen to past episodes, please visit our website at lifeequalschoices.com or listen wherever you download your podcast. And don't forget, remember to subscribe.